Hi there, and welcome to episode 43 of the T21 Mum podcast. I'm Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, single parenting, mamahood, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I'm living life my way. And as always, my friend Ron and co-host is joining me today. Hey, Ron. Hey, Mary. How is it going? We haven't talked in a while. No, we haven't. Well, it's going pretty good, I guess. School's out for summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like it hasn't actually been out since, what, March? Mid-March, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what else has been going on? Not really a whole lot, but I've got a couple of weeks off, so I'm going to try to get some things done, go and see a cool. friend, cool. maybe drink some wine at the wineries. and just... Is that just drinking wine or drinking more wine than usual? <laughs> just drinking wine. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just don't put a number on it. Well, we like to go to the, the wineries. I'm going up to Kelowna and... We always take Ainsley with us, obviously, and we get a picture of her at all the wineries, kind of like our traveling gnome. So so does she drink the wine too? Of course not. Oh, well, okay. Just thought that might be fun. <laughs> no. You know, you know how parents, I mean, like when I was a kid, you always got to sort of get the dregs out of the bottom of the beer bottle and, you know, I think every, it's like, it, like my brothers and I, we would fight over the left of the beer bottle. I mean, this one, we were like, you know, eight, nine years old. Yes. And, the, you know, the kids next door did the same thing. It was like, it was like this kind of thing that everybody did. Oh, yeah. I used to take sips of my mom's beer, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Okay. no, we're not quite there yet. I I like to keep the wine to myself <laughs> for now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like kind of a self-preservation thing. Yes, it is. Trust me. <laughs> All right. Um, what are we talking about this week? Well, uh, earlier in the season, I did a episode with Dr. Susan Fawcett about the dual diagnosis and a woman named Kim Story contacted me and we were chatting back and forth as she suspected that her daughter, Kitty, who I think was maybe 12 at the time, uh, had the dual diagnosis, but, you know, and then COVID hit. So it was really challenging, but, and as we talk about in the episode, that when she went to have her evaluated, they did not give her the diagnosis of autism, the dual diagnosis. And she said, it's to me, it's so obvious. And then they eventually got re-evaluated and she did receive the diagnosis. And we talk a lot about that. And also some of the really cool things that her daughter is doing. Well, why don't we go talk to Kim then? Okay, let's go. Today on the T21 Mum podcast, I'm very pleased to welcome another rockin' mom, Kim Story, to today's show. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that you're able to come on today, and I'm really looking forward to what we're going to chat about. But first, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Kim. I am from the States. Um a suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. 42 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, been with my husband for 23 years now. Wow. We have two beautiful daughters. We have a 21-year-old daughter named Olivia, who's away at college. Mm-hmm. And then we have a 13-year-old daughter, and her name is Kitty, mm-hmm. which is short for Catherine. Okay. <laughs> And she's our daughter who has the dual diagnosis of Down syndrome and autism. And now when we were previously chatting, you said that she was quite a, a preemie. How, how, uh, what, what was she born at? Uh, she was born at 32 weeks. Um, they actually took her uh, to save her life. Oh, Otherwise wow. we would have lost her. We had a prenatal diagnosis at 14 weeks um, and then it was heavily monitored and they started noticing that she wasn't growing anymore and I was losing amniotic fluid 
and they decided at 32 weeks that they were going to take her because they could do more for her outside of my body than my body could do for her. Wow. Wow. And well, that's awesome to hear and that she's doing so well now. And, and she's 13, right? She's 13. Correct. Wow. So, you know, I know that first you contacted me after the episode with Dr. Susan Fawcett about the dual diagnosis of autism and Down syndrome, which is, if I recall correctly, I think it's episode 27. But at that time, Kitty was not yet diagnosed with autism. Is that is that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I've always known something was a little bit different from Kitty, mm-hmm. from her peers. And you always just think it's the dreaded term, the low functioning term that we don't really like to use or hear. Right. But that's kind of what you think about. And Kitty attended a bike camp for kiddos with different disabilities to learn how to ride a two wheel bike. And that was um, early in the summer last year. And I just noticed how different she was from every other kiddo there, no matter what their diagnosis was, she was Mm -hmm. just very different. And that got me to thinking, there's something more here. There's something more than Down syndrome. And I happened to be hanging out with a friend of mine who was a nurse. Mm -hmm. And one day it just, it was like a light bulb. I turned to her and I said, do you think Kitty has autism? And without skipping a beat, she goes, yes. Wow. And I was taken aback because... It, it came out of me without me thinking about it. And I wasn't ready to hear that response back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was really jarring to hear that. And I said, okay, all right, all right. So I started doing um, a lot of research into mm-hmm. dual diagnosis, what exactly it is and isn't. I started reaching out to Kitty's former teachers, aides, other people who are familiar with kiddos with diagnoses and familiar with Kitty. Mm-hmm. And asked them, what do you think? Do you think that Kitty could have autism? And the response overwhelmingly from every single one of them was a slight pause. And then they said, yeah, wow. yeah, I think she does. Wow. Um, so I, um, I put a phone call in to our pediatrician, which was a brand new pediatrician that we had just switched to. And so she had only met Kitty once before. Mm-hmm. So she didn't she didn't really have a rapport with her yet. And she said, well, I'm, I'm just going to take your word for it. So I will put in a recommendation, the referral at the neuropsych at your local children's hospital to have her evaled. And our children's hospital is really busy. So there was a really long wait time. So mm-hmm. it's like she here. Put the eval. Yeah, it was seven months. Oh, yeah. here it's now. I waited exactly one year, but I think if you go publicly like where it's covered but I think it's now up to two years oh my yeah goodness. I know it's crazy oh um so it was seven months and it was a really really long seven months mm-hmm. and I think that's at the point where I had reached out to you mm-hmm. and started reading all the literature I could possibly find and I went in there knowing in my heart of hearts this is what this is mm-hmm. like walked into the neuropsych clinic and my husband and I had a meeting with the doctor first before he met Kitty. And I said, look, she has a dual diagnosis. We know it. Like I I'm 100% certain basically let's, let's just do this and get this going and get the diagnosis so we can move on with our lives Right. because this in-between period is, is not good. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I'm stuck and I need a definite answer before I can move into the next phase of our lives and figure out where do we go from here. So um, we talked to him and, you know, he got all the um, evals from her teaching staff, people who know her mm-hmm. all said the same thing. I mean, they basically diagnosed her and brought her back in, you know, a couple weeks later for her eval and she was at children's hospital for like seven or eight hours. And I think it was, yeah, it was that long. And his assistant was with her for 95% of the time. And he only spent the last hour with her. Okay. Oh, the doctor who's actually the doctor himself. 
Yeah. And so he then said, I won't give you a formal diagnosis today. I will write up a full, you know, report about this. I'll bring you back in a week later and we can sit down and discuss. So here I am. I'm like, okay, well, you know, just, we just need to hear the words. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I already know what's going on. We just need to hear the words. So he brought us in the next week and sat us down and basically said, um, while she displays a lot of characteristics of autism, I don't believe she displays enough for mm. me to diagnose her that way. I really think she's just very low functioning that she's at the level of a two or three year old. And I, I was shocked. Wow. I'm like, no, 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 that's not my daughter. That's not her. You don't know her. Um, she reads fluently. Mm -hmm. I've seen um, in the videos. Yeah thoroughly potty trained she's really smart she's really quick-witted um she does have a language barrier which is obviously a characteristic of autism or a mm -hmm. dual diagnosis yeah but he put in the report how although he doesn't believe she has autism it would be best to treat her as though she is autistic oh that is very odd it was extremely odd and infuriating yeah. And he even said, he's like, look, if I thought that it would help at all to go ahead and give her the diagnosis, I would. But, you know, you already have the Down syndrome diagnosis, so it's not going to matter whether she gets this diagnosis or not. And I was like, no. Wow. No, no, no. So I was, I was heartbroken. I was distraught. I came home. I broke down because I had an answer that made sense of everything. Mm -hmm. And he, he took it away. And, and so, all of a sudden, it's so opposite to what most people want, right? Most people don't want that diagnosis. And then you didn't get it. And you were upset about it because you, because you already knew that, that she had that and it couldn't be right. medically confirmed. Yes. Yeah. I can Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It made sense. And then you took that away and, and nothing made sense anymore. Um, and so I started, I, I was like, no, I'm not going to give up on this. I know you're wrong. Um, I'm going to keep pushing. I reached out to you guys on the group mm -hmm. again and said, this is what happened. And I heard from so many other moms like, oh, yeah, we had to get a second opinion. Wow. We had to get a third opinion. Keep going. You know what's right. Trust your gut. You're the mama bear. And so I reached out to our local Down syndrome clinic, which Kitty had never gone to before and I figured well let's start with the the basics here mm -hmm. and have her evaluated there because they see a wide variety of uh, people with down syndrome you right. know people who are high functioning people who are low functioning they can eval kitty and say okay no I I have seen other kiddos like her before I think she just has down syndrome mm -hmm. or no this is not that so reached out to them, um, got an appointment with them, which was, you know, several months away. Oh, geez. Yeah. And then COVID hit. Oh, no. Yeah. And so everything stopped. And so here in my mind, I'm like, okay, how much longer is this going to go on? Because I know now that I have to wait to get back into this clinic. And I know that I'm going to have to wait to have a referral put into a different clinic and then I'm going to have to wait for an appointment time at that clinic. Oh, so wow. we're going to be dealing with this for like another year yeah. at least, mm -hmm. which again is a gut punch Yeah. because you just want it done and over with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to go through this anymore when you know that, you know, you just want it done. Yeah. And so um, COVID hit and a couple months into it, the Down syndrome clinic reached back out to me and said, hey, we're going to try doing um, meetings via Zoom. Yeah. So do you think we could do that? And I was like, absolutely, let's try it. And I thought it was going to be very just informal. Like, this is my daughter, Kitty. You know, this is the doctor. Nice to meet you. And so we got on the Zoom phone call and the doctor got on after, you know, 10 minutes and was like, okay, I'm just going to tell you this right now. She's like, I read through the records. I read through what you and your husband wrote about your daughter. I read through what her teachers wrote about her. I read through the neuropsychs eval. 
I am diagnosing her here and now. She goes, via Zoom, she goes, it is so obvious and clear to me that your daughter has a dual diagnosis. I'm not going to put you through waiting to get into another clinic and having another neuropsych eval. We're just diagnosing her now. So did they do that just by based on reading the reports or did they actually like meet with her via Zoom? They met with her via Zoom, but uh, it was literally 10 to 15 minutes in. Okay. And they coupled all the information with that they had with even just meeting her. And mm-hmm. you could, I mean, the behaviors are right there when right. you talk to her, meet her. You know, there's the, um, the, the rocking back mm-hmm. and forth and the constant humming and, you know, the uh, echolation where she's repeating mm-hmm. everything you say back to you in your same tone. It's, it's just so obvious, Wow. That, you know. So that's why they just went ahead and diagnosed her right there. Well, that's fantastic. How old was Kitty then when she got her diagnosis? She was 13. It was just a few months ago. I I would say maybe two months ago she received her diagnosis. Right. Because you said during COVID. That's right. Of course. Correct. And, you know, Ainsley, when she got her diagnosis, she was five and a half. And, you know, here Kitty is 13. How did you feel when... you got that diagnosis for her like how did you feel about that like was there relief sadness anger you sort of touched on it before but I mean I don't know I almost would feel maybe a little frustrated that no one had ever mentioned it up to this point it was um all the emotions rolled into one Mm -hmm. uh relief because I finally had an answer um anger at myself Hmm. uh being, feeling of being disappointed in myself. I should have known this a long time ago. How did I not see this? And also um, a lot of sadness because Kitty went through a lot of rough periods throughout her you know, earlier years that we just attributed to being behaviors of Down syndrome mm-hmm. that were really, really hard to deal with. And we didn't have help. Because we didn't know about ABA. We didn't know that she could benefit from that because we didn't know she had autism. Right. So we really white knuckled it for many, many years through really painful behaviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was hard to look back at that and go, wow, had I known better, I could have done better for her. I could have done better for us. I could have made our lives a heck of a lot easier mm-hmm. if I would have known that we could have been helped in a different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of different emotions. I, I never blamed any of her teachers or aides or therapists or anything like that, because it's like, if I didn't know how they didn't know either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, Cause I spent the most time with her. So of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's challenging. It's definitely that that's hard. So I know like once Ainsley, for me, when she got her diagnosis, which was quite devastating and I've talked about it previously, like how it was handled so poorly, but it also put a whole set of, um, different wheels into motion. So like, for example, how, well, mind you, where it was in the middle of COVID. So I guess you don't like, does her school know yet? Or like, like, they do. And so, um, in fact, at the beginning, because she just finished seventh grade. So when I knew this, which was last summer, I had a meeting with her t- teachers for the upcoming school year. Mm-hmm. And I laid out a blueprint to them. I said, look, she has autism. Um, so we need to treat her as such. And they, without a diagnosis in place, they said, okay, we believe you. We trust you. We see what you're seeing we're going to start treating her as though she already has this diagnosis in place. And it made a big difference. It really helped out. Um, but uh, to be honest, now that she's 13, she's outgrown a lot of those difficult behaviors that she had earlier on in life. So now she's a pretty easygoing kid. That's great. Yeah. 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 Ainsley's for the most part, fairly, easygoing I mean she's I think a lot of it is just to do with the current situation we've I've been seeing more meltdowns I mean she doesn't 
typically have them and they're very short lived, thankfully. And it just comes out of nowhere. But I, I mean, I think part of it is just to do with the current current circumstances of the whole pandemic and you know, we right. haven't been in school and she hasn't, you know, right. she sees a few kids at daycare because she's been going to daycare, but there's only, I think, four kids, including her. So, you know, and I think only one was there at the daycare before all this went down. So, and I'm hoping it kind of stays like that. So, cause I do read about, a, you know, often in our kids there, that can be a huge challenge is the meltdowns and, and right. a lot of, you know, behavioral issues, but hopefully neither of us have to go down that road. So you got her diagnosis essentially in place like well or you knew last summer like so did you start like did you start with some therapies or with her or what kind of services or what are like what are did you do anything starting last summer after you felt that she had the diagnosis even though you technically hadn't received it yet or uh no nothing different because she already receives ot pt and speech Mm -hmm. in school yeah so it would be all the same therapies and then um I, I questioned about whether or not she should receive ABA, which mm-hmm. is not something that's offered in our school. It would have to be a private service. But all the doctors and all the therapists I've talked to are like, I I don't think she would benefit from ABA, to be honest. Oh, interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, so you've basically have kept everything the same. Pretty much everything's the same. I think uh, long term that's when the differences will be when she's an adult Mm -hmm. she will be able to get more services yeah um and things like that because of the dual diagnosis and then i also learned from the doctor that which was mind-blowing that autism takes precedence over down syndrome so when you're looking at her diagnosis she is classified as autistic first and having down syndrome second interesting I didn't know that I don't know how that works here um in Canada um that is really interesting because you don't usually like you know once you're born that you have down syndrome you don't when you know because it's a genetic condition or Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word a chromosomal chromosomal condition so Oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. So, yeah, I yeah. guess because they they believe that um, being on the spectrum is more of a disability than having an extra chromosome. I guess that's the way they view it. Yeah, I can I can appreciate that. I can understand that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I should check into that to see, um, because I know like for Ainsley, because the whole diagnosis experience was so negative that and the report itself was so negative that I didn't want the school to have a copy of it because yeah because um yeah it was just so negative and I just didn't want them to use that for you know like to make it as an excuse or something or to use that sort of against her and because I said does it make any difference to her services or funding and they said no and I said, then why do you need it? And they said, well, it's just because if we get audited, they might wonder why it's not in there. And I said, well, then they can ask me and you can tell them. So, because yeah. you know, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like they needed more ammunition. So, and so what? It's horrible to hear about people's sob stories about getting diagnoses and oh, medical staff is just not prepared to give a proper diagnosis with um a bedside manner or a bit of heart or empathy or sympathy or anything like that um I've really heard some horror stories oh yes you you know and like getting the autism diagnosis was almost as bad as getting the down syndrome diagnosis even though when I actually when was I was given the diagnosis of her having down syndrome it, the whole experience itself wasn't bad it was just the overwhelming grief and and all of that yeah. and and you know how you think your whole life has shifted and then I felt that again when we got the autism diagnosis and and I guess in some ways it was even even more impactful because you know now you have a little person right you know you actually know right. the person so yeah and it was just very negative like it was you know about 
you know, don't teach her the ABCs or the niceties such as please and thank you. And I don't know if he actually meant don't ever teach her those things. Or don't bother. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. yeah, because he never clarified. I hope he didn't mean don't, don't ever, because she knows those things. And so it was Mm -hmm. just disheartening. I felt like really defeated after that. But, you know, we've moved on. It's been two years now. So we've moved on from that. And so I think um, our experience was so much different mm -hmm. because Kitty was so much older that she's a fully realized person. We know exactly who she is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I the autism diagnosis didn't completely jar me because I was like, okay, well, we, this, we've been dealing with this for 13 years. It's just going to be the same. Just the name is going to change. Nothing's going to change about her, just the name. What do you feel has been the hardest part of getting Kitty's diagnosis or was it difficult? Um, I guess the weight was the most difficult part. And then um, not being believed. Wow. Um, Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I, I realize I'm going into talk to someone who is a neurologist, neuropsych. And I, I get that you've had the schooling, you have the experience. I, but I know my daughter, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, just, walking in there and telling him point blank, I know this is what this is. And him, I don't know, not believing me, not believing the teachers that wrote things. I, I, I guess from my understanding is not enough people who do these evals know about dual diagnosis. So when we bring our kiddos in there, they're trying to evaluate them from the standpoint of a typical mm-hmm. child that mm-hmm. may have autism as opposed to a child that has a previous diagnosis and how much different that can present. Yes. And they call it a spectrum for a reason. Mm-hmm. You don't have to hit every single characteristic of autism in order to be diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Because if you did, there would be nothing as Asperger's you know do you know what I mean like it is called a a spectrum for a reason yeah yes and yeah like and then Dr. Susan you know as you you were saying about how difficult it is to diagnose when our kiddos already have a diagnosis and I think that's exactly one of the reasons why my diagnosis experience wasn't that good you know, I don't think it's ever great to get the diagnosis. I mean, nobody wants that secondary diagnosis. I understand in your situation because you just knew there was something off and, right. and Kitty was older. And, you know, and Dr. Susan Fawcett, like she, you know, in that, in her episode, she talks quite a bit about how challenging it is because so many of the characteristics or behaviors of Down syndrome and autism, they overlap. And so you have to really be able to understand I think obviously autism but also down syndrome and and for me personally when I had gone in to get Ainsley's diagnosis the doctor had even said oh yeah we're seeing lots of kids now with down syndrome coming you know in for the for a dual diagnosis I'm thinking but then what are you doing to learn more about down syndrome right And, and so and I think that's you know part of the challenge and you know and and I know a couple other moms who have children with special needs not down syndrome they have different diagnoses actually quite rare diagnoses and and their children have also been diagnosed with autism but mm-hmm. sometimes I wonder is it did they not do they even know anything about the other issues that the child had they were just looking at just for down or just for autism so right yeah and I and I get it it is very challenging to to do the dual diagnosis so yeah, I mean, but I, and I do I know of some other people too who whose children were diagnosed older too. Just because I guess you just don't necessarily think about it, right? So, you know, like she's your daughter, and you weren't thinking that it's anything different. You you know, she has Down syndrome, and yeah. Well, um, we're very involved in our local um, Down syndrome association chapter, DSA, mm-hmm. and. Um, 
we would be around some of the other kids and I, I would still notice how much different Kitty was than mm-hmm. all of them. And as big as our community is at DSAW, I don't know anyone else with a dual diagnosis. And wow. statistically, um, the reports that I've read is that it's way more widespread mm-hmm. than what we know about at this point. It's just going underdiagnosed. Yeah. So I'm really hoping to take my experience and help other families who might believe that there's something a little bit different about their mm-hmm. kiddo and maybe there's something else there and maybe I can turn around and and help them so that they don't go through the same experience that we did with trying to get a second diagnosis. Yeah, well, no, that's fantastic because if I recall correctly, Dr. Susan Fawcett said it's, I think it's around 18%. I mean, there's a lot of varying degrees. Like, I guess it also depends where you're getting the diagnosis. Sometimes it was up to, I think she even said like 42%, mm-hmm. you know, but I'd re- I've read in a few places around 18%. That's almost a fifth of our children. Right. So I'm sure in your group, there is definitely not, there's definitely more than just Kitty. 100%. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. But like you said, it's a challenge of trying to find someone who will actually give the diagnosis and, you know, and then the whole waiting period, it's, you know, it's all of those things. It's so challenging, right? right? And I know for here where I am in BC, the younger you can get them, uh, get that diagnosis, you can, it has a bigger impact because you can get them more services if they're under six and then it changes um, once they're over six, because the expectation is some of that is being taken over at the schools. But, mm-hmm. you know, we all know that that doesn't really necessarily happen. So, but, uh, you know, but we have great other therapists like speech and OT and, and physio. So, and, you know, and that's been a bit hit and miss throughout this whole COVID thing, but hopefully we're getting back into things in the next little while. So, and I'm, I know Ainsley would love to be getting back into some of those things too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, before, you know, back before pre-COVID, if we, any of us can even remember back before then. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? <laughs> I know, right? You know, I saw, um, you posted something, which I thought was really awesome, like, because obviously kids were still in school, about a video, and it was Kitty auditioning for her school musical, and I thought that was so fantastic. Right. So did you want to share a little bit about that? Oh, of course. Any opportunity I can take to brag about my daughter, totally, (laughs) let's do this. Um, So Kitty's teacher sent home a slip in school one day. It's, and she said that, you know, we're going to have auditions for our school musical. It's um, Frozen Junior and Kitty's obsessed with Frozen like every other kid is. Mm -hmm. And she goes, she's really, she's really excited about this. She really wants to do it. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's try it. So I really didn't know what the process was going to be. Uh, She doesn't like to read in front of other people. She likes to pretend like she can't read. She kind of plays her hand like a, I don't know what I'm doing, but she, (laughs) she knows exactly what she's doing. And so we went to this audition and it's an auditorium full of, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade kids Mm -hmm. all there to audition. And they said, well, you're going to have to get up and sing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, how is she going to do this? So the director asked for volunteers. Hers was the first hand to go up. She got up. She marched up on that stage in front of maybe 100 kids. Yeah, it looked like from the video, it looked like quite a bit of quite a few people there. So a lot of kids and without hesitation started um, belting out for the first time in forever from Frozen. Oh, wow. Sang her little heart out without a care in the world. Um, So brave. Mm -hmm. No, no amount of being hesitant or worrying about judgment or anything like that. Got up there, sang her little heart out stopped and every child in that auditorium clapped there was no snickering there's no laughing nothing like that which is a testament to the parents in my community Mm -hmm. of how extraordinary they are and what wonderful children they are raising and we are so thankful to be in this community 
And uh, they were so great. They just clapped for her and yay, Kitty. And she got down off that stage like it was nothing. And I was like, I most typical kids would be terrified yes. to get up. I would be terrified I'd to get up you. there and try and sing <laughs> in front of a room full of teenagers. But she got up there with no hesitation, just got up there and did it. And it was absolutely amazing. And of course, I bawled my eyes out because mm-hmm. I'm a great big crybaby. And I'm trying to film this yeah. while bawling. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great. And then, of course, they gave her a, a part in the play. That's fantastic. Um, it was a little side part. That's okay. But then, unfortunately, two weeks after uh play practice began that's when everything shut down yeah so yeah yeah, unfortunately she was never able to do that play but there's always next year hopefully keep Mm -hmm. my fingers crossed that we can try again for another musical or another play oh yes I think that's fantastic yeah I was really excited to hear I was waiting you know for you to post about what the outcome was so I was you know I think that's awesome so good on you kitty you, you show well, them. And <laughs> her school is so wonderful with inclusion. Um, they're just really extraordinary people. And the kids are so great with her. And she's like a little rock star. She's a little local celebrity. Mm-hmm. I mean, we walk down the street and people we don't even know are like, oh, Mom, that's Kitty. Hi, Kitty. Oh, yeah, so, that's Ainsley too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we go out places and people go, is her name Ainsley? I said, yeah and then they tell me how they (laughs) how they know her someone said oh yeah my friend has her on her Instagram all the time or it's it's crazy yeah and even the principal said the same thing she's a rock star so which is awesome yeah Yeah. no it's it's great to hear that our kids are being included and and you know that they have friends and and that kids are excited to see them so and and it's fantastic to hear that and and Kitty's older so you know, right. my fingers are crossed that that will continue for Ainsley as well. And then, you know, again, I was, you know, reading your, in your posts and stuff. And then I guess somewhat recently, you can talk a little bit about it. You started something that I thought was pretty cool and which we actually want to do with the T21 Mom podcast. But you guys started a YouTube channel called Cooking with Kitty. So let's hear more about this. I think this is really cool. Yeah, again, because of COVID, um, we started doing her independent living skills class at home. Mm -hmm. And weekly in school, they would, on Thursdays, go to the local grocery store with recipe in hand and have to buy groceries. And then on Fridays at school, they would cook whatever they, you know, bought at the store the day before. So because they couldn't do that in school, they started sending home recipes for us to do. Okay. So I started videotaping them to send back to the teachers to prove, hey, she actually did her independent living skills class this week. And then I started, because they were really cute, I decided to upload them to Facebook. Mm -hmm. And after a few weeks, my friends were like, you really need to start her a YouTube page and um, (laughs) share this out. And we thought about it a little bit and it was like, yeah, sure, why not? So um, I took over as the filming mm-hmm. and daddy, because daddy is a much better cook than I am. <laughs> and so um, I film while daddy and kitty cook mm-hmm. and we started putting it up on YouTube and it just started growing and growing and we've had a really positive response from it. So we're really excited about it. Well, I think that's fantastic. And I noticed in some of the later ones, she's now got like a little, uh, an apron and her little chef hat. Because in the earlier ones, I go, I think she needs an apron or a shirt (laughs) that says cooking with kitty, you know? So I think, I think that's just great. So, so now like school is sort of out and you're obviously carrying on with it. So how do you decide what recipes you're going to do or I mean, I like the fact that you're talking about the independent living and because, because I, and oh, and I, I did make the uh, Mexican casserole. Sorry, this little diversion. It It was really good. I mean, I did it layered because I thought I didn't have enough to do in the bigger pan, which I probably should have. But the testimony is that Dennis actually said, 
I said, how was it? He goes, it was good. Usually he said, oh, not bad. That's, and that's still a compliment. But when he says good, you know, he really liked Yay. it. <laughs> that's a win for us. Yeah. So um, definitely. So yeah. the apron, the, her brand, mm -hmm. because um, my brother-in-law thankfully helped design her her logo and he really got her YouTube page looking somewhat professional. Awesome. Because my husband and I would have no clue how to do that. Um, and then my niece had the apron and the chef's hat made with her um, cooking with Kitty on it and surprised us with that. So that's amazing. Uh, we have a lot planned, a lot more in store oh, great. for cooking with Kitty, including yeah. And I haven't told anybody about this, but including going to one of our local restaurants that's pretty famous around here. And Cookie is going to guest in their kitchen and oh. we're going to do a video with them. I won't tell what what uh, restaurant that is right now. Okay. Uh, we'll be filming that in September and it will coincide uh, coming out in October, which is Downstream Awareness Month, oh, and there fantastic. may be a fundraiser that ties into that. So you'll just have to tune in and wait and see what that's all about. But we have a lot planned in store with Cooking and Kitty, and um, I, I think the best thing to come out of it is I've had moms contact me and tell mm -hmm. me how they never thought their kiddo with a dual diagnosis could do these things. Mm -hmm. And after seeing Kitty being able to do it, they decided to try with their kids. And it's basically how they're doing OT for them at home, mm -hmm. that it's working so well. They're learning all these new skills. And even um, a mom who has a son who's nonverbal reached out to say that her son through this cooking is learning how to say words like pot and pan and cook. And um, I'm just overjoyed by that. That is best case scenario for putting these videos out there. If we can help somebody mm -hmm. um, that, I mean, that's the best compliment you can receive. Oh, that is fantastic. And, you know, and that's kind of, you know, part of my reason of doing the podcast is, you know, is, you know, sharing my story and people like yours, your stories. And so that people can learn and also realize that, you know, they're not alone. And, right. you know, and Ainsley, I've gotten her to help me a bit with the baking, like with some cookies. And, you know, the first time we did it, she was just more interested in eating the dough. But, <laughs> but like, who doesn't like cookie dough, right? right. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, she's, you know, I help her with kind of like what you guys do, like, with her pouring in the ingredients and she mm -hmm. likes to turn the mixer on and off. So, but I, I think that's awesome. And, you know, and I'm looking forward to doing some more of the, uh, cooking with Kitty recipes. I th I saw the lemon cookies. So I thought, okay, I think I can give that a try too. Cause I'm always making cookies. So, <laughs> so how do you decide like what you're going to make? Um, the majority of it is things that we just normally eat, uh, for dinner on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, like the Mexican casserole has been a staple in our house for many, 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 many years. And um, some of the, the desserts are newer. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, we did a rainbow pride cake with Kitty's uncles. That. Yeah. Yeah. They, they came and assisted. That was a, a very fun video. I mm -hmm. think that's our most viewed video at this point. Fantastic. And uh, yesterday we filmed a 4th of July red, white, and blue cheesecake. Oh, and wow. that's going to air this week. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some things that we just find a recipe for and we're like, that looks awesome. Let's make that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time we don't exactly know what we're getting ourselves into because we're committing like a good <laughs> six to eight hours to make these things. And then it takes me forever to edit all the footage down. But <laughs> I was, that's what um, I was going to ask is so yes. And you know, and I, I can totally appreciate that at the time because even just to put, you know, the podcast together, it's, you know, and I'm working full time and you know, I'm single parent and you know trying to do all this and then still trying to do a podcast it's been challenging but it's very yes. rewarding as I'm sure you have found and right you know like so did you ever have any kind of experience doing anything like this before or just kind of grew um, 
Never. I am the most, <laughs> one of the most computer illiterate people you will ever meet. Uh, thankfully, my husband is a network administrator, so he's quite comfortable with computers. Mm-hmm. But the um, the filming and all the editing has been just me trying wow. to figure out what I'm doing. So um, please be patient with me. Hopefully, <laughs> as time goes on, the videos will be better and of higher quality. Uh, but we're pretty small potatoes right now. You're when it really explodes, that's when we'll get fancy. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, I, I've actually, I've been quite impressed with the videos that I've seen that I thought it, oh, it's been, you. you know, well done. And, you know, I thought the editing was well done. And, and you know, and I know there's always so much hap- that happens before you actually sit down and do the filming like it's so involved and then of course after you have to edit it and 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 stuff but you know so like and is how involved is kitty in in this like does she suggest some of the things like she would like to make or i mean i'm guessing obviously there are things that she would like to eat yeah (laughs) thankfully um kitty eats just about anything that's fantastic um, she used to be a, a bit of a picky eater, but now she's not. She will eat anything and everything. Uh, on one of the upcoming episodes, we make a um, Moroccan chicken bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah, she loves it. And it's one of my favorite meals as well. Okay. Um, the only thing we found that she does not like is chicken and dumplings. Okay. That's the only thing she won't eat. So thankfully, we can make just about anything and she'll eat it. Oh, that's great. So does she... Does she have any say in what you guys are going to film? Like for what you're going to make? Um, she does. Or involvement, I should sometimes, say. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes we'll just plan our our menu for the mm-hmm. week. We do that, you know, once a week. We we'll sit down. We'll say, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then, you know, my husband is the the lone person to go out these days oh, okay. and go grocery yeah. shopping. Kitty and I have stayed home this entire time. Oh, bless so <laughs> he'll go out and buy all the stuff and then we'll go, Hey, you know what? We should film this night because we're making this. Oh, I see. So. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, that's awesome. So when you first started these videos, I mean, initially it was just to show the teacher and then right. it's kind of growing, you know, then it went to Facebook and now you got your own channel. So like, did you have like a goal or an int- like what was your intention when you first started the YouTube channel or was it just you know you just started it and just kind of it's kind of taken off on its own yeah I don't know that we really had an intention <laughs> for it um it was something to do to be honest yeah. it was it was practicing OT skills to show her um, occupational therapist that yeah she's actually doing these at home mm-hmm. and um it it was just fun and it was something to do because I mean, you're locked inside your house for how many months now? What can we really do? Yeah. Yeah. And then it turned into, well, now I know that I'm helping other people. Mm -hmm. So you know what, no matter what it takes, we'll, we'll keep doing it as long as we know that we're helping other people. Oh, that's really fantastic. And yes, and we will definitely be putting a link on our show notes and and stuff so so people can just click through and and yeah and i i yeah and the mexican casserole was that is that what it was called mexican correct casserole yeah super easy and you know and it was a win-win like and ainsley's a pretty good eater too i mean dennis is the picky eater here yeah (laughs) so you know i was you know and it had sour cream in it so course he loves that and so it was a win-win and you know and and he definitely approved so yeah I'm looking forward to making a few more of the recipes that you guys have on there and and I was gonna say when you attempt the deep dish pizza let me know okay (laughs) okay we can give that a try because I know Dennis likes pizza (laughs) and Ainsley too for sure So, and you, and you know, you talked a little bit about that mom who I really liked that when you had posted about that mom that you were talking about previously, who, whose child was essentially nonverbal and started watching the videos. And Mm -hmm. I think like, wow, that's such a feel good for you guys. You know, you were just starting it out and, and then you find out that how it's helping other people and other kids. And that's fantastic. I basically, I feel like, um, if I can help somebody else with every hard, like every hard part that I've ever gone through in my life, if I can turn around and I can help somebody else through that, so maybe they don't have as hard of a time as we did, 
then it was worth it. It was worth through all the pain, the tears, the hard times, the fight, everything. Yeah. Everything was worth it if I can turn around and help somebody else through that. Yeah. No, I totally hear you on that. And yeah, no, that's, it's really awesome. And I've really been enjoying the videos and, and yeah, good on you guys. That's fantastic. You. you know, that, you know, I keep hearing like people are saying, well, what did you learn during this whole lockdown? Like what new skills and stuff, do, you know, have you done? I'm going, I'm, I've just been trying to get through the work week cause I'm still working, mm -hmm. um, as I'm an essential service, but yeah, so that's awesome. You're obviously improving your editing skills and your filming skills and, and Kitty's learning all these great independent living skills and learning how to cook and bake and, and all of those things. I think that's just really awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've learned, uh, to be more patient. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm learning on better mental coping skills, mm -hmm. um, not to, to deescalate myself and, um, try and get myself in a, a better place mentally just to take the focus off of me and put it somewhere else. You know, it's, it's the way I, I cope with things. Mm -hmm. Um, if I, if I'm going through something rough, if I can take the focus off of myself and put it on somebody else to help somebody else, it helps me mm -hmm. get through that rough patch. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I've been trying to do these past how many months it's been, it's just been Kitty and I, because my daughter, my older daughter is away at college. She and her boyfriend have an apartment together. So she's, she's not living here. Yeah. Um, and my husband has been an essential worker as well. So he has not been home this entire time. So it's, it's really just been one-on-one -on -one kitty mommy time for wow. this entire time. Good on you. That's hard. <laughs> Cause as I talked in a previous episode, I had COVID, so I had to stay home. You know, I had to quarantine for 10 days where I couldn't like leave the property. I'm in a, a condo, but fortunately on the main floor, so we could go out on the grass. I, I didn't go out if there were other people there, but but then Ainsley had to isolate for a further 14 days. So that was 24 days. And that was really hard, you know, yeah. and, and for all of you guys who are essentially staying home, like, I, I don't know, I, I found it tough because then, you know, and then we almost had to stay home for another 10 days because, you know, she was showing signs of a fever at daycare and I thought there's no way I can do another 10 days yeah. <laughs> just got out of 24 but you know and that's so great though that you guys are doing you know making something of this you know crazy times that we're in because it's hard and then right. you know and you're dealing with a child with you know that you know has some additional needs and and things that you need to deal with and yeah because for me that's that's been challenging too like trying to do school and and all of that it's it's been really hard during this time and you kind of have mm -hmm. to I don't know I kind of felt you kind of have to make your I don't want to say pick your battles but kind of just you know you can't do everything you just have right. to decide what's going to be best for you for right now and you know and unfortunately I just couldn't really keep up with a lot of the school stuff and I just focused on her you know physio and uh you know her therapies because I felt that that was more practical so right yeah no I think you know, a, starting a cooking channel. Like I'm sure you weren't thinking that before all this. Nope. Hit, so, <laughs> but everything <laughs> happens for a reason. So maybe there was a reason why we were supposed to start this. So yes, I yes. guess we'll just wait and see. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So have you thought about where you would like to see it go or have you thought about it at all or just sort of, you know, for now, just having fun with it and, and yeah, just... I mean, whatever happens, happens. I, I don't have, an end goal in sight mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Just to have fun, just mm -hmm. to have other people watch it and learn from it and attempt it. And yeah. I would love to hear feedback from people who have made the recipes or who are watching it. Like, give me, give me, give me that feed my soul. Yeah. With that. Seriously. <laughs> I would love that. Nothing makes me happier. Um, so if anybody wants to reach out to us and um, let us know, you know, I made this and it was great, or we made this and I, you know, something went wrong, or um, we really enjoy watching. I, I mean, I would absolutely love to hear that. Oh, that's great. Yes. And I will definitely leave a comment on uh, the Mexican casserole and, oh, yay. and <laughs> the other things that I, I know that I'll make. So that's awesome. And like I said, you know, like I was really surprised too, like with Ainsley. I mean, she's obviously younger than Kitty, but 
that she was actually fair. Yes. <laughs> and there's Ainsley right now. You know, that she was actually fairly attentive. You know, that she wanted to partake. Okay, we'll just stop there for a second. Hang on. Okay, there you go. Go. Okay, go. What time was that? Um, yeah, like when I started the baking with Ainsley, cause obviously during this whole COVID thing, I was cooking a lot and I did a lot more baking and I thought, well, I'll try. I was not really sure with Ainsley, like if she would really want to participate. And like I said, she was kind of more interested initially just eating the dough, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she actually got into it. She, you know, yeah. because, you know, she enjoys her cookies like everyone else, but you know, and I think, you know, she liked participating and I was you know, pleasantly surprised. So I was, you know, happy to see that. Well, I think it's such a great therapy for them because they really have to focus and concentrate on what they're doing. And then the um, end result is something tangible Mm -hmm. that they get to eat and see. And I think there's such a um, sense of pride when they've done that. And then especially when you, when we tell Kitty, Kitty, this is delicious. You made this. Yeah. And, um, it just gives her that instant reward that she craves. And I think that's what keeps her going and wanting to keep on and keep on doing it because she just, she wants to make people happy. She wants to, you know, please us and make Mm -hmm. us proud. That's really everything she wants in life is to make people, you know, happy or smile or proud. So. Oh, that's great. And also just for our listeners, like Kitty reads so well in those videos. And I think that's a great Testament. Like, you know, that we can see that our kids, even with the dual diagnosis, they can learn those skills and those very important oh, skills yes. and look at how and important actually, it is for her. Well, she reads, she reads way better than what she displays on those um, videos. Oh, okay. I can tell you that much. Uh, my husband pretty much just jots down the quick recipe. Mm-hmm. And I think his, his handwriting's a bit on the messy side. So that's why <laughs> she has a problem reading it. But I mean, you give the child a book and she can read like proficiently. And that's a testament to, I'm going back to first, second grade and uh, her Edmark reading skills that her um, teachers really hammered into her. And, you know, nonstop, they were like, this child's going to read and she's going to read well. So it's a real testament to her um, special needs teachers Mm -hmm. and therapists and aides from way back in her grade school days. That's great. Yeah, because we, we've been in reading now, I'm trying to think when we started. It might be almost a year now. So, yeah, Ainsley, you know, she doesn't have the fluency of reading yet, like, she, but she can read lots of words. So we've been working on that, like to read, you know, a sentence and, and stuff. Cause it, and, you know, because we had a reading teacher on and, you know, because that also helped with language skills as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I know for a lot of our kids with the dual diagnosis, that's a huge struggle is the, you know, being able to communicate how you know Correct. talking and stuff and so you know because that's always been a big goal of mine and also how I want her to read because she loves books and I'm sure Kitty probably loves books too um she goes through spurts yeah. she does and she doesn't okay. yeah so, sometimes <laughs> yeah. every once in a while but it's on her terms always oh that's the same for all of our kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, it's been really fantastic having you on today, Kim, and sharing your story about Kitty and her dual diagnosis and that, you know, because I, it's, was, it's been almost exactly two years since I got Ainsley's diagnosis and, and I, and I journal and I, I read my entry from the day that I got her diagnosis and, and it hurts me now to think that I wrote it. It was just how, how broken I felt at that time receiving that diagnosis and but you know to see that there are you know families like yours out there you know that are doing it and you know that their child is succeeding and you know they're engaging with people and you guys got your own YouTube channel I mean (laughs) you know I think it's so great and yeah, because in a weird way, when I when I got the diagnosis of autism, it almost felt like, again, my life had ended. But 
you know, I realize now that that's not the case. And I'm right. sure kind of similar with you, but although your whole experience is much different than probably many people, but you know, that our kids are capable. And even though they have that extra diagnosis, which can be challenging and, you know, makes things, you know, more difficult or harder, but it's not impossible. So, right. you know, and, and I, and I think that's great. And it's fantastic to have, you know, people on like you who can share those stories and about their kids and their kids succeeding and, and doing all these amazing things. Well, I think it's fundamental to realize that your child's not changing just because they receive a, another diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Your child is your child and they are going to be the same the day after they get the diagnosis as they were the day before they got the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've dealt with your child their entire life. You know exactly who they are. So it's just that the label may be a bit jarring and scary at first but mm -hmm. when you realize that nothing about your actual child is going to change it's um it's a bit more of a relief yes and you know and I and I think part of my feeling of defeat was just the way the whole diagnosis experience was and yeah absolutely you know because they're just telling you everything negative and not what your child can do or is basically what they won't do and and that's hard but as we've realized that that's not the case and it's just like you said it's just the diagnosis doesn't change your child but in some ways opens up a lot of different doors right okay oh yeah we gotta go i think i can okay there you go well, thank you so much for coming on today, Kim. I do really appreciate that and you sharing your story about Kitty. And I look forward to more of the Cooking with Kitty episodes. Thank you. Um, can I just say like two more things? Of course. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, I was going to say after, after you paused for a sec about yeah. um, that, thankfully, there are parents like you and I that can reach out and help other people and take other people under our wings and let them know it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We do it. You can do it too. Yeah. Um, and then also just uh, some words of wisdom that I heard from a mom probably a decade ago. And it's the most poignant thing I've ever heard. And I, I really wish I knew her name so that I could give her the proper accolades for it. But I met a mom who once said, if I had known then what I know now, I wouldn't have wasted so much time crying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the most perfect sentence I've ever heard. Yes. I have to agree 100%. I had a lot of days where I cried for many things that really doesn't matter now. So, <laughs> well, thanks again, Kim. And, you know, I've enjoyed chatting with you and maybe we can have some follow up with uh, the Cooking with Kitty episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Mary, why is it so hard to get this diagnosis? The dual diagnosis? I think it's because people just don't really understand Down syndrome. And as Dr. Susan Fawcett talked about in her episode, a lot of the behaviors of Down syndrome and autism overlap. And I think you have to be really skilled in and being able to recognize it and tease it apart to know what is actually Down syndrome and what is actually autism. And, you know, when Ainsley had her testing done, the doctor did say that they're seeing more kids with Down syndrome that are being tested. I don't know what their percentages that they give the diagnosis to, but I would hope that they're also then learning more about Down syndrome and how autism can appear in kids with, you know, the potential possible dual diagnosis. And, you know, as Kim mentioned in the episode where she initially took them, took Kitty to the clinic that she took her to, she found out later that they never have given a dual diagnosis. So, you know, that makes it more challenging because they, for whatever reasons, just choose not to see it or are very knowledgeable about it. So 
it, it can be tough because, you know, she said once she realized that she possibly had autism, it just became so apparent. But then you need to get that actual diagnosis so that you can get things in place and get proper funding and therapies and, and everything going for your child. So does it, do you think this goes back to what we talked about in a previous episode about dual diagnosis, that there are still a lot of uh, uh, practitioners out there who don't think that there can be two neurological things going on at the same time? Well, I guess that's possible, but I, I would hope that they realize that it is possible. I mean, I talk to people who know children with multiple diagnoses, not just one or two, but several. So, you know, and why can't it happen? You know, that to me, like, I don't need to have that kind of degree to realize that it's possible. So, but, the great, you know. The great question of all creativity is <laughs> when somebody says, what if? Yes, exactly. But, you know, I just, but I love the story that, you know, how Kitty's got her own little YouTube channel going and, you know, making some awesome stuff and she's learning life skills and, you know, cause you know, I've been baking cookies with Ainsley a little bit and she's, every time we do it, she gets a little more into it because I think she's realizing, Hmm, the end result can be pretty good <laughs> instead of just eating the cookie dough before it's cooked. Well, I, but, was, I was quite, uh, my, you know, I mean, my heart kind of jumped off when, uh, when, uh, uh, Kim was talking about Kitty getting up on stage and singing her heart out and how I really felt terrible once the once she said that the uh that the, the play was canceled. Yeah, I know with everything with COVID, right? Like it's just so well, I felt terribly for her. Yeah, of course, but you know, maybe next year she'll be able to um get into it. So we're going to put a link to uh, Kitty's YouTube channel on the you know in on on the web page so that people can click through and take a look at all the marvelous shows they've done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're lots of fun. I've looked at some of them. I haven't been able to watch all of them yet, but I have a few that I want to watch because I want to make some more stuff, <laughs> some more goodies through Kitty. Well, I'm going to have to check it out because I'm always looking for new things to cook. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure they would love to hear your feedback. Yeah. All right. So why don't you lead us on out of this? Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Tell me your stories. What is going on with you? What's important to you? How are you doing things your way? You can email me at info at T21mom.com or find me on Facebook, also at T21mom or on Instagram and Twitter at Trisomy21Mama. And also it would really mean a lot if you subscribed and left a review so that we can be more searchable for others. Keep on loving on your rockin' kiddos and we'll see you next time. See you, Mary. Bye, Ron. Bye.